From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. I guess we're back, Flo. We are back after a teeny tiny summer break because we had a couple yeah. of hectic days. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we are back, Ash, to discuss. It's not it's not a news topic, right? It's not a news topic because let's let's put it this way. The world is in recovery, even though it's not fully over. It's let's say if you want to put it in medical terms, it's like convalescing. And guess what? Events are back. Yeah, events are back. Yeah, in consultancies, places I work, places you deal with, they're all doing loads and loads of events again. And then you came across something really interesting. I think the audience would be... Which that is the the news angle. That's why I mentioned news there at the beginning. Yeah, actually, I I read a piece in a German consulting industry trade press title that struck me as interesting because it mentioned the fact how consulting firms are struggling with very rude no-shows for the live events, right? People who say, yes, I'll come, they RSVP, and they don't show up without having canceled, which according to that article, didn't wasn't that big a problem in the earlier days. So apparently, I think that just here is people have sort of brought some of the bad habits from the COVID virtual meeting season with them into the live events, creating this problem that you ordered, you, you thought 20 people were coming, you ordered dinner for 20 and you know just no five of them no, canceled. Uh, I, I think that was the idea in the article yeah yeah i think uh, i think you already had a discussion with some of the authors of the article but i also tend to you know lean on your end because no shows are always a thing and you have to like plan for it there's no contingency against no shows other than thinking about some tactical approaches to deal with that yeah but just coming up and saying that it's poor behavior, poor poor ethics or whatever coming out of like virtual meetings and virtual events. I that, that was me that was me saying that. Or I, I think it's sort of implied in the article, but but the yeah. just that I, I it stopped me and I read it and I thought it was interesting and I thought I would talk to you about it because mm-hmm. what they clearly said is there's an upwards tendency in that stuff happening. To, to your point that it's always been an issue, yeah, probably, but apparently whoever wrote that article registered the fact that it sort of, it, it jumped. And whether that's true or not, or it's true everywhere or not, I don't know, but that but that prompted me or prompted us to say, let's let's use this episode, right, to, to talk about fixing events, the life version, if you're doing yeah. those in your firm. And, and I don't know, so... I think I want to start on this in terms of like, if you're just taking like first of all events need to be considered like its own marketing pipeline from acquisition growth retention because that's essentially the whole thing so so like like you like a product is what you mean right yeah like a product and like a camp like a product campaign and i think about it you're acquiring you're growing you're retaining retaining means like you know getting the people in acquiring means getting the people through the door for the first signups and stuff Mm. growing means just growing the pipeline the biggest thing about virtual events is people focus so much on the growth because they knew that it's very easy to get people to sign up to something on email and then all you need to send them a link and they can appear they can you know watch it live and stuff so 
First and even if all, they don't, sorry, to just because that'll be important later, I think. But to your point, yes, people were crazy to drive the signups because even if people don't show up, I have the sign up, right? So I can email them, I don't know, the recording of the session or whatnot. Yes, that, exactly. Right, and, for the virtual event. Yeah. And, but, yeah, no, no worries. And when we're thinking about tactics, we also have to understand we now have definitely moved into a hybrid model of working, right? So people work virtually and people work in person. It's like, there are various ways going about it. There's lots of discussion. We, we don't have time to get into that. You have to think about events in the hybrid model as well. You will have X number of people attending live, watching the event face-to-face, -face, meeting, greeting, drinks, all that stuff. And you'll have a number of people who will pop into the session virtually. And you always have to do this thinking that if your entire pipeline, I mean, not pipeline, entire growth is about audiences like, say, it's 100 people, you'll mm. probably, by default anyway, have like 50, at least around 50% no-shows. That's a normal thing. But rather than treat everything as no-shows and people coming in live, focus the cost to make it into a hybrid event where, first of all, number of people are coming in virtually and engaging with it, and number of people are engaging with it in real time. That way you will have your leads in general. Now comes the issue of qualifying these leads as you build your whole you know, planning process. And the mm. whole qualification of leads in this particular case is first you send out your whole thing, okay, you're doing this event, just give some high-level details, see how many people sign up, give a bit more detail, see how many people sign up. Then you need to start qualifying to see how many people can't make it by saying that if you can't make it, you can attend it virtually or we have materials post-event. And you can give those kinds of options by seeing how they engage with your content. Because if you just think for an event, the whole thing is, hey, I'm just sending an invite and then I'm just sending something else and then they should show up. Why would you show up? Like, let, yeah. let's... I mean, let's put it as a real world example. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to pause you there because I think what you said is very, very important. So the, so the 50% no-shows, I have, I have no clue what the benchmarks are for the live events, but you're right in that there will be benchmarks. Like there's, you shouldn't expect, if 100 people sign up, you shouldn't expect 100% of them being there. Yeah. Which by the way, to be fair to the publication, that was not the point of the article. They said of those 40, 50%, whatever no-shows, like a significantly larger number of those will not cancel in advance they'll just not show up without telling you anything and that causes the issue so what you said there in terms of a tactic of once you have made the pitch people have rsvp'd and i heard you say what you then do is you stay in touch and you explicitly ask them are you still on for the thing right probably a day or two or three or whatever the cutoff date for catering and whatnot is in advance. Yes, fully agree with that. And I think people should take note. That is a must do because that already gives you insight into like that already sort of helps you uncover some of those not self-declared no-shows or whatever the, the phrase is, right? So that reduces Actually, the, the number of meals you order that don't get eaten, I think. And yeah. uh, do I understand correctly? What else you're saying is also through this pre-show outreach and engagement, you get a handle on people who don't even open the emails anymore or don't respond. So you can maybe, even though that's not a hard no of them, I'm not yeah. going to come, you, you get a feeling for 
will this be 50% no-show versus 10%? Is that, did I hear that correctly? So, yes, you, you yeah, can okay. gauge engagement from that. And there's another element where basically you gauge interest by asking them, are they interested in the live or are they interested in the virtual yeah. thing? And based upon that, you can set your planning thing. Because the, the thing is, when you see some people might be interested in your content, people might be interested in the discussion, they may have other commitments or they may be uncertain. Yeah. Like when you think about elections, the largest chunk is always this undecided group who are, who are easy to sway one way or the other. The key thing here is we just need to focus how many people have also put in the option for virtual. There may be, and these are the people that you shouldn't put your time and energy and money into everything. Because these are the people who would clearly be like, yeah, they're not really interested in they're interested in your content but they're not really interested in being there so make sure that they are on in your pipeline in a separate segment rather than putting them rather than putting them into the cost area of like yeah, yeah i need to like take care of catering and all that kind of stuff for them no focus on the catering of the people who purely said they will be there live and amongst that and then confirm people... that when you explicitly ask them yeah. are you still on we gotta submit yes. to catering blah blah and then they respond i like that a lot and and i think also, what you what I hear from you is to put that in tech speak terms. What you seem to be doing is just increase the number of signals for your algorithm, right? Yeah. Not just one RSVP and then we think that's gospel, but ongoing pre-event communications and depending on the engagement level, I see we'll we'll put them in a likely to show up versus we're probably not going to see that person ever <laughs> bucket yeah. and maybe some of some in between, right? Did, did I catch that correctly? Because yes. I because I think that's a good these are good fixes already yeah, and amongst the group that are both virtual and in person there are people who click both options yeah if you really want them there do personal outreach not this mass email stuff because if you want if you want someone to be there to talk to you you need to give them a reason it's just like how you do content if I just say yeah. here's general content and then. Uh, here, here is what I want to do in the supply chain space. And then I, I'm basically trying to sell this to, you know, your favorite industry flow automotive. They'll be like, well, this doesn't really make sense yeah. to me yeah. unless I, yeah. unless there is something specific on it about, yeah. you know, the automotive industry. So the same way, like reach out, make it customized, talk to them. You have, there will be some cost of effort rather yeah. than cost of play. I, yeah. I would say, yeah. Yeah. I would say that's how it works. And then, and and just to insert one more tactic here, so so much better engagement pre-event, much more communications, and a bit more sophisticated approach to tiering guests, right? By their by their probability of showing up, I think that's a very good one. The the other one I had here as a tactical fix is see if you can increase the commitment of guests upfront. Like this is similar to what you said with the mm -hmm. ask them explicitly whether they can come or not. Like sending a signal that. To, like for example have two options for a meal and ask them which one yeah. to choose that is a that sort of signals that increases my commitment to your event does that make sense because i didn't only say i i would come but two weeks later i pick a meal like so now i have said twice that i would be there right it makes it more difficult i don't know and, and then also obviously and i mean this goes it's probably for our second part where we talk about the strategy a bit more but if your stuff is good enough you could also charge a price right it doesn't have to be much but it's as a 50 or a 70 euro ticket for a content event with some dinner or something which i really want to have that of course decreases the likelihood of me canceling like on the day it's supposed to happen 
significantly. I mean, I get it. You can't, you can't do this if all you're going to do is regurgitate some tech vendor presentation over, over a glass of wine, right? Or, or if you bring like a sloppy market overview of information everybody had read in The Economist a week ago, then, sorry, <laughs> that's probably too, too mean. Our, our listeners probably set up much better events than those. But we've, we've all been to one of those, right? Where you agree to go and you do go and you listen to presentation and the cheese is not great and the wine is bad and sort of halfway through you wonder, what, why am I here? I, I, I certainly been on a few of those hosted by consulting firms. Sorry for that. If that so. no, 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 absolutely. And I know the next point that we're talking here is about the strategy and something yeah. that's not there, but I do think is relevant is this is the point of conversion of convergence of marketing and sales, because essentially the market marketing part takes care of the event organization, planning invites and all of that, but the sales qualified leads need, need to come into the pipeline at this point. By that, I mean, salespeople are already having the conversations going on rather than try to force these people to go into all the offices. If you've got these clients nearby, make sure that the meeting happens on site at the event. You A, drive people to the event, B, get them to see a bigger picture of what your offerings and things are, and C, you have the spaces to facilitate facilitate the conversation without having to like incur yeah. extra expenses you need to like strategize with the sales team at that point and if and, you don't do that you're yeah missing a huge opportunity and i, th and I think it's also an, an easy and that's why that i why i think i would agree it's it's fine to put that in the tactic section it's also an easy tactical way to actually increase the value of the event now this is me presuming that your business development or salespeople, which in a consulting firm probably are senior consultants right or, or partners or whatever are are good at these types of events but if i'm if i'm the client and i know i'm going there not just for a presentation and some wine but i'm going to meet jane or jeff or whatever who are very interesting partners for a conversation about my business like that that also sort of adds something on top of it so I fully agree with the with this sort of again to your to your earlier point that that takes personal effort on on the part of the sales on the people responsible yeah. for sales they need to do personal outreach do sort of a scheduling of a meeting within the meeting or within the event, right these types of things but yeah I agree that that there certainly drives it up but before we move into the strategy of the bigger picture I consider ourselves still to be in the realm of tactical fixes. I wanted to double click on something you said because you you said, well, just make sure it's hybrid or there's not just a yeah. live in-person component, but also a, 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 virtual, a virtual component. component yeah. Even if people, if you, even if you don't have the budget or the setup to, to allow people to attend live virtually, right? So still, I think you can do a lot by capturing as much of the content that is presented in the event and sharing that in a follow-up. And that is where it's I time and again see even the best firms and some of them do events really well sort of sell themselves short because they set up the event it's great there's cool presentations there's interesting discussions and then the follow-up is oh here are the three keynote presentations and some email and that's it which i think that could be greatly improved upon if you think about it, it could become an email cadence where you also deliver stuff in video or maybe podcast format, not just the presentations, right? Could be follow-up Q&A. So we could brainstorm a bunch of stuff. But the idea being, if you can turn the content from the event into something to your earlier point that follows the actual happening in a campaign, then the damage done by someone not showing up decreases significantly. Yes, they've, yeah. you might have ordered a meal for them that didn't eat it and, you know, 
you'd you'd have to share the leftovers with the team. And not I'm not advocating throwing the food away. But I mean, so do you get my point? Like there's there's yeah, some yeah, cost yeah. of them not being there, but you diminish that because you sort of feed the actual content and you have the conversation after the fact. And that is something I find is very still very difficult. I mean, and I get why, right? Everybody's busy and so forth, but the follow-up to these things, man, that could be improved. And that is the improvement could be wholly owned by the marketing team. You could really set yourselves apart and do the business a huge favor if you could turn their events into more of a follow-up thing. Yes, I I absolutely agree on that one. That, and that is where a lot of people actually struggle because they don't really, they just don't do the follow-up. I know it's yeah. a big sign, but it's the truth. It's a big sign, it's the truth. And, and I mean, it, it's not even... I mean, don't even talk about like personal follow-up where we where we learn about somebody's preferences during the event and then that informs the content we feed them afterwards. I'm not even talking sophisticated stuff yeah. like that. Just the general sort of across the board overall outreach falls falls flat, and that's that's a, that's that would be the the last lever I wanted to touch upon in terms of improvement mm-hmm. tactics for fixing fixing the tactics. But talking about that, I think let's let's move into the strategy. strategy and and how how the consultancies think about events in, in a bigger picture. I mean, you already talked about the hybridization, right? And, and the need yes. to think about not just doing it live and in person, but also doing it virtually. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I would add to that, that that's correct. And we just have to realize that consumption habits have changed even pre-COVID, but then certainly also during the pandemic. And people just expect stuff to be asynchronous and on demand now. <laughs> On top, of, I mean, they still enjoy go to the live thing and, and see it, but yeah. I would fully expect to maybe have a video repository for the for the breakout sessions or the conference tracks I didn't get to see, right? Or I, I would like to take something home which I can share with my team. All this stuff, so that I think that has to be built in, and this is where we land at a place in terms of thinking mm-hmm. about the actual event, where you just have to realize that the event is just the beginning of something. Of a, yeah. of a content campaign or journey, it's not the end all be all of it. And and I we think need that's to see a mindset, as a, mindset shift for many yeah. people. Yeah, to your earlier point again, seeing it as a campaign, right? It's it's the yeah, seeing it as a campaign, campaign with multiple touch points. Yeah. And and I would even argue it's 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 the entry point to to your campaign, right? Yes. Uh, in a way. In a way. Say, I mean yeah, in a way. It's it's where the content gets created that then gets reused and repurposed and, and so forth. But another thing that and we had our guest Stephen Pope talk about this. So, so that's the idea of change your minds about how events work. And then I think the next step, and you you referred to this earlier when you said you have to retain and grow something. The next thing is mm-hmm. to just stop thinking about live events, like the actual thing, the actual starting point of something as a one-off, right? And much more think about it much more as a programmable series and and built not just for the one big splash we're going to do this one this year and that's it right and then we have a sort of a content campaign no no do one every year or do one every quarter or something like that so so build a series because that allows you to to your earlier point to grow the audience over time right you go from there's 10 people at my first iteration there's 50 people to my first, my second iteration too. There's 300 at the fourth. And then it suddenly it's a thousand people after, well, I did this for four years or something like that. I don't know if that's the curve, but that's the idea, right? You, you continue to do the thing and improve upon it so that it gets a, a given thing on people cal- people's calendars. 
Yeah, I, I would actually agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've I think we've actually touched on this whole event we've made. Yeah. Uh, and, and while we're talking about it, thanks to everyone who joined our first live event. This is <laughs> not it's not the it's not the um only thing and it's not a one-time thing we are going to have another event hopefully in <laughs> summer we are not we are working on it we're planning it out we, and we will let you guys know a little more about it i think yeah. you might if you're following flow you'll definitely hear more about it sooner than if you're following me yes we're working on that and taking our own advice of planning things as a series and continue to doing it right we're mm -hmm. trying to find actually a schedule that works where we can just repeat it on like in some like mm -hmm. same day, I don't know, last Thursday, every other month, yeah. something like that. So you can, you can find it more easily. That, that's the idea. And yeah, I mean, right. That's, that's a good announcement at the end there. Just, just to reiterate, if your firm is doing more live events, I'm doing the recap thingy now at the end, Ash, if you don't mind. If you have stuff planned and rolling already, just think about some of the tactical improvements Ash and I mentioned, right? Really work on the pre-event engagement and and maybe I've, i mean i know you recommended also having a virtual option i don't know if everybody gets to fold that into plans if they already exist but work on the pre-event engagement ramp that up right try to sort of tier your your signups or your rsvps yeah. according to the likelihood in which they show up right so you get a better handle on it and i mean for a fact i know that that i know lots of firms are doing that already others don't do it at all but i know you and i know firms which have that problem yes. quite under control with the with the non-excuse no-shows. But that being said, and and I think besides the the communications, find ways to increase the commitment to improve the likelihood of people actually attending. Right, have to mm -hmm. pick a meal, send them options for individual meetings. Right, to your point with the salespeople and so forth. Maybe even charge a price if you can. And then last tactical fix was, oh, sorry, the second to last was make sure there's they can have once they get there value adding conversations. Yes, with the salespeople. And once all of that is done, right, and the thing is about to start, make sure you record the heck out of it and you can build a follow-up content campaign based yes. on the material you created that'll, that'll last you for way longer than the typical, thanks for attending, here's the PowerPoint one-off follow-up shot, right? That's that's not what we would like I... to do. That was tactics. What did we say about strategy? I forgot. Oh, change your I mindset, think... right? Yep. Think respect people's expectations around asynchronous content consumption always offer that option like ash said like, think about uh, yeah go ahead no please I, I was just saying show those conversations are happening so that you can actually drive the conversations at the event rather than thinking about you know thinking about it in other ways your multi uh, use your market qualified and sales qualified leads and your marketing and sales teams in a strategic way rather than just you know, having it either sales driven event or a market marketing driven event. Yeah. Oh my God. That's an entire episode in it by itself. But so, it's a strategic point. Yeah, it's true. Really it's true. Yeah. yeah. And, but and I'm taking a note. We should come back to that because I've seen too many events, which are completely financed and prepared by marketing, but then they're actually turned into sales shows anyways. And I think the, the continuing on your point with the mindset, I think what we said was don't think of the event as the end point. Yes. of some project journey, but it's the beginning of what should be a longer longer campaign, right? And then last but not least, if you can do that, the next shift would be to think about doing a recurring series, a series of recurring live events with the 
content campaigns that follow them, right? To really build momentum mm -hmm. and grow some, something. I mean, the the a couple of examples we always all the big tech companies have those, right? Salesforce has Dreamforce, mm -hmm. SAP has Sapphire, I think. Hewlett Packard Enterprise runs Discover. Like all these companies have built major, yes. major happenings oh, for their audiences yeah. over very long time horizons. The the, fir the first Salesforce Dreamforce event probably was not with thousands of people in attendance, right? You got to build that stuff and it, it takes the right mindset, the right strategy, and also the, the patience to, to do it. I guess those were our recommendations, right? For Yeah, and I think events. that's, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that's a wrap for this episode. So cool. bear in mind, we will have an event soon. And yeah, and that's yes. it. I'll stop the recording and, and you and I can have some weekend if you can. Mm -hmm. All right. Have a great Friday eventually. See ya. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.